And Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. I see you guys in the chat. Give me a thumbs up. Give me confidence boosting that I am live and that you see me right there and that the sound is good. Bruce Edmonds in Seattle, Shabbat Shalom to you. Shabbat Shalom, Chris De La Rosa, Shabbat Shalom. And hopefully we've got some good picture. Kyle Tucker sounds good. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. We are in Torah portion Devarim today. Devarim, a few announcements before we get going. We have the registration for the Feast of Tabernacles is open September 30th all the way through till October the 9th. And you can go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and you can click on and register through Eventbrite right there and then. Also, you can see in the chat, occasionally we will have the link. And then down in the comments section after the teaching, you'll be able to find the link. So please come join us here in Oregon, September 30th, all the way through October the 9th for the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot 2022. I'm really excited and honored and privileged that Libby from the Libby Tube is going to be traveling up here from Louisiana, and she's agreed to teach over the Feast of Tabernacles. Sister Brenda from Florida, she is going to be traveling up teaching as well. Both of these sisters are phenomenal teachers, and I'm really, really excited to have them co-teach with me. Of course, I'll be teaching as well. And I hopefully, um, Kevin Niebling, you'll be getting ready with a, a little bit um, to add to with the paleo and the Hebrew language, which is always enjoyable. Now, some people are a little bit, you know, down and out and say, oh, women shouldn't teach. Please, if that is your opinion, hold off and please go and revisit, or if you haven't seen it, my teaching on Bereshit, and I believe it's the third edition, and I go into the New Testament verses, break it down in the language, and go through and explain to you from the times of Miriam, from the times of Deborah the prophet, women have always had a very valuable voice in Israel so that we really have to line these things up with what was going on in the church of Corinth and what was going on in the wilderness and women in the Torah. Were they allowed to speak? Were they allowed to be prophetesses? And were they allowed to have a voice? I believe very much so, because the Bible teaches us that there is neither male or female, slave or free, but you are all one in Mashiach. And if you disagree with me, then I accept your disagreement. But as for me and my house, we love to edify all peoples, and we love to hear what everybody has to say when it is uplifting, edifying, and encouraging to the body of Mashiach. Words, words, words. Devarim. Let's turn to those words today, Deuteronomy, and we will be in chapter 1, verse 1, and the portion extends through chapter 3, verse 22. In the Hebrew, it is et mishnah ha Torah, meaning a copy or a repetition of Torah. Mishnah Torah, meaning the second Torah. The second Torah. 
really, this is Moshe's farewell speech to a new generation. We have Moshe, we have Caleb and Joshua under Yehoshua's leadership now. This is a repetition of everything that has gone before. It's the book of ethics. It's the ultimate book of ethical guidance throughout our generations. It's so important to us. Words, words, words. Devar, devarim. Devarim in reality is the mouth of Torah. It speaks. It's a summarizing of all that has happened before in the main body of the text. This is what we are as a people. We are the people of the book. Words mean things. Words mean things. And because of that, you and I have come into the fullness of Torah. We've come into the feasts. We've come into the festivals. We've come into the Sabbath because we believe that Devarim, words mean things. That we're not going to be fleeced with a Greco-Roman ideology. We're not going to be fleeced by the King Jimmy. We're certainly not going to be fleeced by the New International Version. So what we have done over the years is that we have dug into the Devar Yahuwah, the word of Yahuwah, and we believe that words mean things. That's what we are as a people, Devarim. Yahuwah wants to summarize in our bodies all that's happened before in the main body of the assembly. He doesn't want us to reinvent the word. He wants to summarize in our bodies what happened in the main body of first century believers in Yahushua beforehand. Can you go back to that body? That's the summary that he wants in this final generation. Think about this. The main body of first century assembly of believers, Yahweh wants to manifest that kind of power in you and me today. We are the Devar generation. And this generation is being affected either by the word of Yahuwah or by the words of mystery Babylon that are everywhere. Electronic billboards, electronic devices, all kinds of radio frequencies, DNA reprogramming. That's a different word to a different and perverted generation. The only hope for you and I is to dig into the Devar Yahweh. This is really about the last words. Who's going to get the last words? In the Hebrew, that would be Suf Debar. Suf Debar. The last words. This is Moshe's last words. It's his farewell discourse and includes a song to Israel. Now, agriculturally, the word means to point back to a food source or to the head of the house. So the head of the house being Moshiach, when he was in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, did he point back to a food source? Every word that proceedeth out of your mouth, the food source should be what? And he quotes Devarim, the words of Yahuwah. 
Now, of course, this has been Hellenized by the Hellenized Jews. They called this book Deuteronomium, or the second law, which is where we get in the Latin, from the Latin Vulgate, it was Deuteronomium, or what we have now in the King Jimmy and most of our English Bibles, Deuteronomy. When I first became a believer with my English accent, I was Deuteronomy. But I've now come to be able to pronounce it properly. Deuteronomy, not Deuteronomy, but back in 1996, that's, I'd never heard of it before. So that's how I used to pronounce it. But now I realize it's Devarim or Suftabar, the last words, the last words. And really, what does the Bible tell us that the last words of the matter are? Well, we'd go to Ecclesiastes in 12 and the 13th verse, and really, what is the last words? What is the conclusion of our lives? What is the conclusion? Because we should know the end from the beginning. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Oh, praise Yahweh. The conclusion of the whole matter, brethren, is to fear Yahweh and keep his word, his devarim, his commandments, his mitzvot, for this is the entire duty of all mankind. For Elohim shall bring forth every work into clarity and open judgment. Every secret shall be revealed, whether it is good or whether it is evil. Devarim. These are the words which Moshe spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan. In the wilderness, Bamidbar, in the plain opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, and Hezoreth, and Dizbar. It is 11 days' journey from Choreb, from Choreb, by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moshe spoke to the children of Israel according to all that Yahweh had given him commandments to them. After he had killed Sihon, Melech, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt at Asheroth in Edrei. On this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moshe began to explain this devarim, this law, saying, Yahuwah our Elohim spoke to us in Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go into the mountains of the Amorites. To all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland and in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in now and possess the land which Yahweh swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Yitzhak, and to Yaakov, to give them and then their descendants after them. This is how Suftabah, the last words, begin. The conclusion of this matter is that the tribal leaders are thus then appointed. 
we see then Israel's refusal to enter the land is recapped, a retelling of the infamous story beforehand. Then we see in the 34th verse of the first chapter, the penalty that came because of rebellion. Then there is a recounting in chapter 2 of the desert years, the years Bamidbar in the wilderness. Then we find in the 26th verse of the second chapter, we see King Sihon, the retelling of his defeat. Chapter 3, the retelling of King Melech of Og, his defeat. And finally, we see in the 12th verse of the third chapter, the land east of the Jordan is divided. Suftabar, Suftabar, the last word. And the last word in the matter is this. There are too many people today that used to be a part of Torah to the tribes, that used to be a part of the messianic movement, that used to be a part of the church, that have departed from the word, have maybe been choked out by the worries, the cares of the world, and that's the parable of the weeds and the thorns. So what I want to focus on today is the importance of the word, devar, the living word, manifest in the King Jimmy and in the Greek text as the Alpha and the Omega. But as we know in the Torah, it is the Aleph Tav, the first and the last. That is the Devar, the word that truly, truly matters. Because that is the word that saves. I want to show you example through example through scripture that this is not some arbitrary Christian concept of a Messiah, but this is the very matrix of the kingdom. All that holds everything together as Paul spoke to Colossians, the Colossians in Colossae, was the Devarim, the word manifest. Devarim, words. I'm one of those people where words really mean things to me. When people say things, it affects me because I am very literal and words mean things. The word is powerful. Language, grammar is extremely important. My people perish for a lack of understanding of the written and spoken word. The spoken word is one thing, but the written word is forever. Devarim, devar, the words. The word is what heals. The word is what restores. The word is what holds everything together. And in Colossians, in the first chapter, and in the 17th verse, by him, the word, Yahusha, all things are held together. In Matthew chapter 13, in the 19th verse, it is written, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth not, 
then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. The importance of the word was sown in my heart when I was 24 years old. And I went then, because what was sown in my heart, I went to the written word and learned more and more about it. And then I started to question the written word in its translation and man's spoken interpretation of it. And then I went deeper like so many of you did and have and continue to do so. Those of us that are progressing and growing in the kingdom is because of one thing, the word manifest in our hearts, minds, bodies, and souls. It's actually affected everything, even what we take into our bodies, has it not? Everything is the word because the word is the kingdom. In the beginning was Devar, the word, and the word was with Elohim, and the word was Elohim. And you can skip over that in the book of John. You can skip over it, but you are missing the ingredients of what holds the kingdom together. You are missing how to manifest his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven today, this Shabbat, right now. John chapter 1 in the 14th verse, and the word was made flesh, manifest in my flesh, in your flesh, and because he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as only the begotten of the Father, full of grace and emet, truth. This is Devarim. This is the Devar, the word. And he manifested it, and he spoke it too, did he not? Yahushua said, lo, in the volume of the scroll, it is written of me. He's referring back to our Torah portion, which is why he spoke it to Satan. And he reasoned in the scriptures, Yahushua did, and he spoke this again. And he reasoned in the scriptures, showing himself beginning at Moshe and the prophets. How did Yahushua show himself beginning at Moshe and the prophets? Because he's the word manifest. Which is why he spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he said thus, for if you don't believe Moshe's words, then how will you believe my words? For Moshe wrote about me. Yet the church doesn't believe Moshe's words. I was taught not to believe Moshe's words because it was nailed to the cross. But we will find out that it is actually held together as Paul spoke to the Colossians by his very word. Which is why Yahushua said, I and my Abba, my Father, we are a compound unity. We are Ekad. We are one. You cannot divide us. And Paul spoke to them in the Hebrew language it is written. He didn't speak to them in the King Jimmy. He didn't speak to them in the Greco-Roman language of the day. Which is why we have to look at Suftabah, the last words in the Hebrew language, Ecclesiastes, is keeping the commandments, returning to Torah, because his word is manifest in us. I love this week's Torah portion 
because it shows me how the word has changed my life. It's changed my life. John chapter 5 and the 38th verse, it is written, And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. It's only the abiding devar, devarim in us. Yahushua has to abide in us. And his word, written and spoken, has to abide in us because that's authenticity. Then, when the globalists, Mystery Babylon, speak a counterfeit word, we don't need to examine counterfeits. Because if we examine the true gem, we can spot a counterfeit like that. So we don't need to get so focused on the news and other words that are heard and spoken if we focus on his word. In 2 Peter, in chapter 3, verse 5, it is written, By the word of Elohim, the heavens were of old, and the earth came standing out of the water and in the water. You mean the word, the spoken and written word, can change, create? Yes. It can heal your DNA. It can heal your DNA and the spoken and written word. Just writing out his word will change your life. Why do you think Yahweh commanded the king of Israel to write out the Torah? Because it changes your life by writing it out. Revelation chapter 22 Verse 13, I am, in the Greek, the Alpha and Omega. But we know that Yahushua wasn't speaking Greek. He was the king of the Yahudim. He didn't say, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He said, I am the Aleph Tav, the Bereshit, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, the, the, the transliteration of that in the Hebrew is Anochi Aleph Vetov Rishon Vekaron Rosh Vasov. That's powerful. And you can hear the language of Rishon in the beginning right there. Anochi, Anochi, Aleph Vetov Rishon. You can hear it right there. This is the powerful, powerful, powerful word. I remember when I first got saved. Satan wanted to come along in the parable of the sower and just steal that word right out of my heart and knock, 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 knock at the door. And who was at the door? Who do you think? The Jehovah's Witness. Because what they want to do is they want to steal out that the word of Yahweh, the Father and the Son are one, the plurality of Elohim, and they want to as C.S. Lewis would say, you know, Yahushua was either a madman, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or the son of Yahweh. He didn't give you any other option. Was, oh, he's a great teacher. He taught that he was the son of Yahweh. So he couldn't have been a great teacher if he wasn't the son of Yahweh. He would have been at worst, at best, a liar. At worst, an absolute lunatic. Or you fall on your knees and you embrace him as the son of Yahweh. 
Those are the only three options. Yahushua was not a great teacher. He was not a great prophet. He is either a liar, a lunatic, or the son of Yahuwah. You choose. As for me and my house, I fall on my knees and I embrace him as the word of Yahuwah manifest. And I took the Jehovah Witness and I said to him, I said, well, let me have a question for you. Who is saying this in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8? And who is saying this in Revelation chapter 22 verse 13? And the Jehovah Witness minister said, well, Jesus is saying this. And I said, thank you. I would agree with you wholeheartedly that he is saying that. But you do realize that he is quoting the prophet Isaiah. Can I take you to Isaiah chapter 41 and show you who Yahushua, Jesus, truly is? Because Isaiah in chapter 41 verse 4, which Yahushua is quoting in Revelation chapter 1 and Revelation 22 says this, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from Reshit, Bereshit, the beginning? I, Yahuwah, the first and the last am he. Who? Yahuwah. And at that point, he closed his book. He turned around and he departed with his Watchtower magazine and never returned to my threshold. Because this is the power of knowing the spoken and written word and being able to cognize it and being able to communicate it succinctly to a wicked and perverse generation. The Jewish rabbis say that the Aleph and the Tav represents perfection and completion. And they don't even believe that Yahushua is the Messiah. But they acknowledge that the Aleph and Tav, whenever it appears, as stand alone in the scripture, it represents perfection and completion. And I wholeheartedly would agree with that. In fact, Yahushua spoke and he said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. Well, this is hugely important to us in the Malchizedek priesthood because what Yahushua was speaking of was, of course, Genesis, Bereshit, chapter 15, when Abram was put in a trance. He wasn't put to sleep. He was put in a trance at the flaying of the pieces. And in that text, the Aleph Tav appears 12 times. The standalone Aleph Tav. It appears 12 times in that text. Why? Because this significant flaying of the pieces is going to change the destiny of all 12 tribes of Israel that eventually would be scattered abroad. And then this generation, in your hearing, are being gathered together today. The Aleph Tav appears 12 times. The 12 instances of the Aleph Tav represent the covenant to the 12 tribes. The Aleph Tav, of course, we know now on this side of history, he would pay the price for either Abraham or Abraham's seed not fulfilling the covenant. And they didn't. 
They broke it within 30 days with the sin of the golden calf because the olive calf said, I have come, but not for the lost sheep of the house of Israel because that was the covenant was cut for the 12 tribes scattered abroad. In Exodus chapter 12, in the 70, 27th verse, it is written, and I'll give you many examples right now. So if you've got your Bibles open, which I hope you do, I'm going to give you a bunch of examples now to show you the standalone olive top. And for those naysayers out there that are saying, now, what's, what's Matthew doing hiding behind glasses? Something's going on. Somebody posted that last week. So I want to know what's really going on. What? I'll tell you what's going on is I'm aging and I had to go to the optometrist and I now wear glasses when I'm reading and when there are bright lights. And these glasses actually change with the color of the light. I bought them that way because then I don't have to put on sunglasses and I don't have to squint. There's nothing going on. My eyes are blue, beautiful, and crystal as the sea of glass, just as they always have been ever since the word of Yahweh came and dwelt in my heart. But I used to have a driver's license where my eyes looked like coal blackness. They really did, because my eyes were dead. Because he changed the color of my eyes. So I've got nothing to hide, but I'm, I would like to be able to see clearly, okay? So, you know, welcome to um, getting older. That's all right. I embrace it fully, fully. In the 27th verse of the book of Exodus, in the 12th chapter, it is written, you shall say it is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover, who smote and passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote Olive Tav, the Egyptians. Olive Tav, and delivered our houses. The people bowed the head and worshipped. Right there in the Passover text, which has huge New Testament ramifications, he says it is the Olive Tav that smote the Egyptians, and the Olive Tav, the delivered us. You mean the olive tarp is a manifestation fully of the creator Yahuwah as judge and savior? Is he the judge and savior? Does the book of Revelation confirm that Yahusha, the olive tarp, the alpha and the omega is the judge and savior? Yahuwah is the creator, and his right arm, the two primary faces of Yahweh is the Ekah plurality, 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 excuse me, get the word out, Matthew, is judge and savior. I, my sins have been judged, and I am saved because of the two primary faces of Yahweh. Yes, I was created. I was born into sin. But I have the opportunity, because of the Ekad plurality, to be, have those sins judged and atoned for and to come into, of course, salvation. Salvation. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, you know it well, the Shema, embedded within the Shema. And you shall love Aleph Tav, Yahuwah, your Elohim. Now, if you want to look at the Aleph Tavs and find them in your Bible, the great one is the JPS Bible, okay? Of course, it's using the Masoretic text, but you have the JPS Bible, and it has the, the parallel Hebrew and the English. And you can actually go through the text, and you can circle and see all the standalone Aleph Tavs as if you had a Torah scroll before you. It's very inspiring. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. See, I have set before you blessing, Aleph Tav, or curse. Interesting. The Aleph Tav is only in the blessings, but the Aleph Tav is not in the curse. The Aleph Tav is not in the curse. The curse omits the Aleph Tav. There are no curses in Yahusha, only blessings. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, speaking about the prophet, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like you and will put my devar, my devarim in his mouth and he shall speak Aleph Tav unto them all that I shall command him. This is the manifestation of Mashiach from the Torah. From Moses spoke about me. Well, where? Right here. In verse 20 of Deuteronomy chapter 18, Devarim 18, it says, But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, Aleph Tav, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other Elohim, even that prophet shall die. So those that speak another word, those that presume and live under the words of presumption, they will die. Our whole legal system today is a system of presumptions, and they will manifest their own destruction by presumptions, because that's what the word says. If you presume a thing, and it be not so, then you suffer the judgment. Far better to be in the devar of Yahweh that is established as the superior law, the Torah of Yahweh that redeems through the outstretched arm of Yahweh himself. Isaiah told us in the 53rd chapter, specifically in the 6th verse, that all of us, yes, even you, like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And Yahweh hath laid on him the Aleph Tav iniquity of us all. Right there. Right there between laid on him and iniquity appears the standalone Aleph Tav. So Isaiah, and this is before we get into the full manifestation of the suffering servant. Hebrew, in the Hebrew, laid, made the iniquity of us all meet with him, is what it kind of breaks out in the Hebrew language. Laid, made the iniquity of us all meet with him. Meaning our iniquity met with him on the tree. And that's how we have salvific history. I'm a poet. I didn't know it. All right. 
Okay, you guys get me. I'm going to bounce back over to the chat and see if you're still with me. All right, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, got the Libby tube up there, and she says, I believe the Jewish Publication Society, yeah, JPS, um, yeah, JPS Bible has got the, uh, the English, and then on the other page, alongside, it's got the Hebrew, so you can kind of work through it, and it, I, you know, it's, just, it's nice for, for looking up the Aleph Tav, the Aleph Tav, Emissary of Elohim, Aleph first head, chief, ox, crowded, I lost you. Where did you go? Strength. Thank you very much, Emissary of Elohim. Very powerful. On the tree, not a cross, says Tennessee Rambler. Yes, on a tree. He was nailed to a tree. In fact, all three of them were nailed to a tree, which is why, you, you know, because if there were three crosses, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. If there were three crosses, what? The Roman soldier went and bust one thieves' legs, and then he decided, oh, let me just skip Yahushua in the middle and go and bust the other thieves' leg. No. No, what happened is they were all encircled around a tree, and he moved around the tree, stopping at Yahushua, who, of course, was facing the eastern gate, because this was one massive almond tree that they were all nailed around with a cross beam, a staros, which is, of course, how we get the cross. But he was nailed to a tree. The New, New Testament testifies to that truth. So anyway, Zechariah, talking about the crucifixion, says in the 11th chapter and the 12th verse thus, and I said unto them, if ye think good, give me my price. If not, forbear. So they weighed for my price, Aleph Tav, 30 pieces of silver. The, the word of Yahweh has the Aleph Tav right there before the 30 pieces of silver, which of course is prophetic of what Judas would do. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. And I said unto them, Zechariah 11, verse 12, if ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed my price, Aleph Tav, the standalone Aleph Tav, appears right after the Hebrew word there that's translated into the English word price, and right before 30 pieces of silver. I mean, if that doesn't encourage you in your faith, I don't know what will. We need to persevere and hold on to Yahushua for everything that we have because he is the kingdom manifest that holds all of this together. Zechariah in the 13th chapter and in the 7th verse says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith Yahuwah, Savot, smite the shepherd, Olive Tav, and the sheep shall be scattered. Somebody tries to steal Yahushua from you, and you will be scattered and blown to mystery Babylon, and you will not survive what is coming upon this world in this next season. We have got to have him in us deep. We have got to have the divar and the commandments in us deep. We have got to have the fear of Yahuwah, which is the beginning of wisdom. Because everything else is smoke and mirrors. And they're going to be doing a lot of smoke and mirrors with the monkeypox and all this other baloney that they're going to be coming out with this fall to detract us as there is going to be. Isaiah the prophet says mystery Babylon's going to be judged in an hour. Okay. And then John the revelator says it's going to happen. No, no. 
Isaiah the prophet says it's going to happen in a day, okay? John the revelator says it's going to happen in an hour. So that means it's going to happen in an hour and a half. No, I don't know. But I'm just saying, because somebody criticized me of saying, Matthew, you said it's going to happen in a day. Well, that's because I read the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah says it's going to happen in a day. And, you know, if you read the, the judgment of Babylon in Isaiah, it's a parallel to the judgment of mystery Babylon in Revelation. And there's the difference between the hour and a day. But, you know, a day is, is a thousand years, right? So who knows? Very interesting, though, isn't it? How about the 12th chapter, the infamous, I should say, famous chapter, Isaiah, no, Zechariah, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me, Aleph Tav, whom they have pierced. I mean, you wouldn't get this in a Calvary Chapel Bible study, I'm sorry. Because nobody knew what the Aleph Tav was. Because we were all getting Greeked out every single Sunday sermon, weren't we? Zechariah 12, verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me, stand alone, Aleph Tav, whom they pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Now, the Jewish sage, back in the 12th century, it'd been Ezra, he said this, All the heathen shall look to me to see what I shall do to those who pierce Messiah, the son of Joseph. But they couldn't make the connection because of the Council of Nicaea and the Greco-Roman church messed up and disfigured the word of Yahuwah so that it was unrecognizable in its Hebrew context. They started to presume things about Messiah that were not so. They started to make presumptions. The sin of presumption is why the children of Israel didn't go into the promised land. Moshe presumed to do something to the rock when he was instructed to do something different. The sin of presumption is what clouds the devar of Yahweh. Devarim must be clear. Words mean things. Be succinct in your communication and be very careful what you read and how you speak. Hmm. Ponder that while I have a little sip and refresh my windpipes. How did the Kohen Haggadah, how did the high priest communicate the word of Yahweh to the people? through the Urim and the Thummim, correct? Right there, within the word Urim, which means lights, Aleph is the first letter of the word Urim. And what do you think is the first letter of the Hebrew word Thummim, which means perfection? Lights and perfection, 
Aleph, Tav. It's the first letter of Thumim, Aleph, Tav. The Kohen Haggadal has always been communicating the Aleph, Tav. How much more under the order of Malkit Zedek? How much more? Everything that we teach here at Torah to the Tribes goes back to Yahusha in me, in you, being manifest in our lives. Because without Yahusha, we are all dead. Without Yahusha, we have nothing. Without Yahusha, I am nothing. Without Yahusha, you are nothing. He is the all and all, the sunastuse in the Greek that holds all things together. DNA. In Bar Midbar, Numbers, chapter 26, in the 10th verse, it is written, And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. When that company died, what time the fire, then there, right after that Hebrew word, ish, fire, is Aleph Tav. The standalone Aleph Tav devoured 250 men and they became an oat, a sign. Because the Aleph Tav is one of the primary faces of Yahuwah, not the creator Yahuwah, but the judge and savior, the right arm of Yahuwah. And that's his job, to judge and to save, to judge and to save, to judge and to save, to judge and to save. He said, I am the word, the truth, and the light, the life. Emet in the Hebrew is Aleph Mem Tet, truth. If you remove the Aleph, you're left with Met. Anyone know what Met means? Death. The wages of sin are death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Emet. Aleph, Mem, Tet, the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the light. But if you remove the Aleph, you end up with Met, death. Because the wages of sin are death. This is so important. I hope it's as important to you as it is to me. My life was changed because of the power of of Devarim, the word manifest. Isaiah in the second chapter and the second verse. I know I've got a lot of Isaiah in it, not a lot, but I've just been reading the book of Isaiah and thoroughly enjoying it on my front porch in the mornings this week. So um, there you have it. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, it is written, For out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of Yahuwah from Yerushalayim, and he shall be a shofet, a judge between the nations, and he shall rebuke many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into Aleph Tav, plowshares. The only way there's going to be peace in this world is through the Aleph Tav. The only way the swords are getting beaten into plowshares is because of Messiah Yahushua, which is why the standalone Aleph Tav appears right here in this text 
before the swords are beaten into plowshares because Biden ain't going to do it. Trump ain't going to do it because they're all the part of the same mystery Babylon. They're all just manifest corporate leaders of the United States corporation, which is a fiction. It's all a bunch of nonsense. And everybody's left and right. I used to be. And thank goodness I've been delivered of that because they are not even the presidents of the proper United States of America of Benjamin Franklin. No, this is the United States Corporation post-1933. It's a whole different, which is why, of course, we are in the trouble that we are in. It's not getting any better until the olive tarp beats the swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come and let us have our way, our halakha, in the light of Yahuwah. This very verse is chiseled into marble outside the UN building in New York, where there is a rider on a white horse carrying an olive branch because they have misappropriated the word of Yahweh and applied it to themselves, because they truly think that they're the ones that can bring in the kingdom and peace, but they can't, because they're all corrupt. Do not be deceived by the nations, because the kings of the earth will run and hide amongst the rocks as they fall upon them. And you and I will be the generation to witness that. <coughs> Why on earth do you think that Yahushua said, in light of what I've just shared with you, with the standalone olive tarp appearing in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, right before the swords are beaten into plowshares? Why do you think that Yahushua said, No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit to enter? into the kingdom of Yahweh. Because once you have set your hand to the plow and realized that Yahusha is the Aleph Tav, he is the king, judge, and savior, you can't look back. You can't look to presidents. You can't look to kings. You can't look to politics. You can't look to governors. You can't look to the news. You can't look to any of it because it's all corrupt. The only truth is the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the light. Because Yahushua taught that he is the Shemesh, the servant light, the center branch that holds the whole menorah together. He said, I am the light of the world, and you, you are the children of light. I am the vine. And you are the branches. Apart from me, separate from the olive tarp, you are nothing. And if you are broken off, then there is no light. Isn't that the truth? Don't be broken off in these last days. Devarim is all about coming back to the truth of Yahushua manifest as the word of Yahweh manifest in the flesh. This book, as we're about to enter in, is a retelling of all that went before. Devarim is a series of four speeches 
delivered by Moshe to Israel. And it was only just a few weeks before his death. So it really was the final retelling of all that had gone before. This book, within the first chapter, we can see Yahuwah manifesting himself. In this first portion, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through chapter 3, verse 3. 23 times in the text, we see the yod He wah He elohim 23 times, Yahuwah is manifesting himself, Yahuwah Elohim. Yahuwah wants to be your Elohim. That means past, present, and future. All-encompassing so that he holds Sonastuse, all of you together, all of us together. There's several phrases of the 23 times where Yahuwah says, Yahuwah Eloheinu, Yahuwah your Elohim. In fact, in the Torah itself, Yahuwah Elohecha, Yahuwah Elohecha appears 224 times. He's your Elohim. 224 times. In, in the book of Genesis, Bereshit, once that word appears. Yahuwah Elohecha, once in the book of Bereshit. In the book of Shemot, Yahuwah Elohecha appears eight times. In the book of Vaikra, Leviticus, Yahuwah Elohecha appears just, no, it doesn't appear at all in, in, in Leviticus. In the book of Numbers, it doesn't appear at all. The reason why in the book of Devarim it is so important is that Yahuwah is going to reveal himself in this book to you and I personally, to you and I prophetically, and to you and I powerfully. Because we have the end which was revealed from the beginning because we know now who his word is. And that's why a whopping 215 times in the book of Devarim, we have Yahuwah Elohecha. Yahuwah is your and mine Elohim. Of the 23 times Yahuwah Elohim appears in the first three chapters, eight times he's your Elohim. Five times he's thy Elohim, and ten times he's our Elohim. Because he's gathering all twelve tribes from the cutting of the covenant and the flaying of the pieces where the Aleph Tav appeared. He's gathering us together because you and I are this new generation who has witnessed the rock and grasped the Torah. Think about it. We are the new generation that has witnessed the rock. That rock that followed them in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The rock that is the Torah. Yahweh is willing to reveal himself to us personally, prophetically and powerfully as the source of all blessings in my life. All blessings in your life come from Yahushua. All covering 
and protection in your life from things that could have happened bad to you come from Yahusha. And all victories that you will have in your life, they will all come from Yahusha. In verse 6, we see Yahweh our Elohim spake unto us. Chapter 1, verse 6. In chapter 1, verse 10, Yahweh, your Elohim, hath multiplied you. He's going to speak to us. He's going to multiply us. In verse 19, Yahweh, our Elohim, commanded us. He wants us to obey his mitzvot. In chapter 1, verse 25, it is a good land which Yahweh, our Elohim, doth give us. He wants to give us an inheritance. He wants to give us land. Verse 30, Yahweh, your Elohim, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. I don't have to fight anymore. I don't fight in life anymore. I accept and I return. And Yahweh fights for me. I've been delivered from 50 years of fighting. People say to me, how goes the fight? And I go, I don't fight anymore. I accept it all and return it. Because he's the one that's going to settle and close the accounting. Because this is an accounting. We are numbering our days. And everybody will give an account. And nothing hidden. It shall all be revealed. So why fight? And you can accept. Oh, liberation, liberty, liberty, liberty. Set the captive free from himself. Verse 31 of chapter 1. Thou hast seen how that Yahweh thy Elohim, he bare thee as a man doth bear his son. He bare me. He put up with me. that he put up with you. Yahweh is our king. He is our deliverer. He is our savior. He is our shield. Which is why, when I was reading through the book of Isaiah this week, in the 45th chapter, in the 21st verse, this just struck me so powerfully. And I had to get out, you know, my, um, my Masoretic text, you know, with the Hebrew going along as well. And it says this, Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I Yahweh? And there is no El else beside me. A just and Zadik El, a savior, Mashiach, there is none beside me. And it struck me as just a really kind of disembobulated phrasing in the King Jimmy. That kind of doesn't make sense. So, because I love the word, I looked at it in the Hebrew. And this is what it actually says. Turn there, Isaiah 45, verse 21. This is, this is the conclusion of the matter. El Zadik U Mashiach. That's it. That makes so much more sense. I didn't even speak any English. El Zadik U Mashiach. 
El, the righteous and his savior. The prefix U means and. Isaiah is describing the conclusion of the matter. The two main faces of Yahweh. Creator and savior. Right there. El, Zadik, U, Mashiach. The two primary faces of Yahweh have always been the Creator and Savior. The Creator, Judge, and Savior. Because Yahweh is our King, our Deliverer, our Savior, and our Shield. The Word of Yahweh. Suf the conclusion of the matter. That's all I've got for you today. That's enough, I think. That's enough. All right. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, the Libby Tube, Isaiah 45, verse 21. Get out your Bibles. Get out your Hebrew. Look at the text. Circle those olive tabs because it will inspire you. And remember, now is a very appropriate time to give us some thumbs up, to hit that subscription, to subscribe to the ministry channel here. Put some comments down. Make it edifying, brethren. Make it edifying. Encourage one another. And remember, now is the opportunity to go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and sign up for the Feast of Tabernacles, September 30th, extending through to October the 9th, 114 acres on the Santiam River, beautiful Oregon wilderness. We're going to have multiple teachers, Libby from the Libby Tube, Brenda from Florida. We're going to have myself, Kevin Niebling. We're going to have a children's group. We're going to have it all. And we are praying that you will come and gather. You can fly by train. You can come by train. You can fly, fly by Plymouth train. You can, however you get here, just get here. Just sign up. Make sure you get there. Shabbat Fellowship has put the link right up in the chat here and we'll have it in the comments below. If you have a question for me or you would like to make a little chat in the comments section or the chat section right now, would you redline me? You can do that by going at Torah to the tribes. And Shabbat Shalom, Chris Warnicke, he says, I'm sticking to you like glue. Baruch Hashem Yahoo, I'm glad you're sticking with me. Kevin Niebling, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Kevin, will you be able to teach some Paleo-Hebrew a couple of times for us at Sukkot? We are looking forward to you doing the music, of course, but um, also love that when you break down the Hebrew and do some of that like you did the last couple of years. So, Kevin, are you going to agree right now in the chat in front of everybody so that we have a record? Jose is going to be coming up here from Florida, too, for Sukkot. We're looking forward to seeing Jose. And Jose says Matthew has also recommended the JPS commentary. And if you have young children, little children, I highly recommend the um, JPS Picture Bible. It's absolutely phenomenal. It is thematic. And if your children are like under eight years old, you should definitely get this. What is it called, Moshe? I'm talking to my son, Moshe. How many times did you read through that Bible, do you think? 
six at least. I thought it was more than that. But he read through it six times, or that's what he says. I think it was more. But it's thematic. It gives you thematic stories of the scripture. So when your children are young, it really starts to give them that big concept of the Bible, and there's beautiful, beautiful pictures. So that's a JPS picture Bible. Highly recommend that to those of you that do have young children. It's a great way to start your children in the Word, you know. And then, of course, reading the Psalms and the Proverbs to little children, even when they're, when they're nursing, is powerful because Yahweh's Word will not return void. My wife would just read the Proverbs when my children were nursing, and it has not returned void. So what a, what a glory that is. Libby Tube says in Zechariah, she puts up the chapter of the 13th and the 7th verse, O sword awake against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, declares Yahweh Sabot. Strike the shepherd, Alatav, and the sheep shall be scattered. Well, there you have it. That's a lot, lot to think about. Go, go on, go on um, your scripture walk. And uh, yeah, some people trying to spam us in the chat. We don't like that, do we, Diesel Grandpa? As long as you're on, the, on it, Diesel, you block them, block them. Yeah, see, they're trying to look for another word or trying to infiltrate with another word. Chris Lucas, Fishing for Truth. One hour would be 15 days. Interesting, Trump salute the lockdown would be just 15 days. Jeez, just 15 days. That didn't turn out. See, he did not speak the word of truth, did he? Yeah, see. So again, many of us, you know, can get distracted, myself included, with so much going on in the, the world. And then when you just get back into the word, everything just makes so much more sense and there's so much more calm and so much more assurity. Roger Gate, Shabbat Shalom Roger, he says, Yah took me out of a pit and put my feet on a rock. Then he took me out of a lukewarm church and set me in Torah to the tribes. Roger, he did the same to me as well. Isn't that amazing? In Torah to the tribes, you know, started off as just a little CD ministry in my bedroom. And I had this big contraption that somebody donated to me back in the day. Massive big thing. I could barely carry it. It was like, you know, and that, all the plastic they put around that equipment, the sound equipment. It was heavier than the equipment itself. And it was like you'd speak into this device and it would burn a CD. And we used to mail them all over the country. You know, maybe all over the country, maybe a hundred. And that seemed like such a lot right then, you know. And it was a big production to do it, you know, and you had to laser print or no, we did stickers. We put stickers on the CDs, you know, mail them. And then people would be like, you know, oh. and now look at, look what happens. I mean, we got hundreds of you and um, it's just amazing what technology can do, isn't it? But that's what Torah to the tribes was. It was a CD ministry. And look how, look what Yahweh has done. Praise Yahweh. Baruch Hashem Yahweh. I'm just rambling on rambling on. All right. Emissary from Elohim. Shabbat Shalom. Got a lot of word going up there. It's good to revisit the chat, isn't it? Good to revisit the chat. Shabbat Shalom, Mickey down. Mickey, Mickey Macaboy. Are you coming to Sukkot? It'd be lovely to see you. I haven't seen you since that Passover back in the day. Was that 2019, was it? I think so. I think it was, yeah. 
Nika, Nika Bragg, Shabbat Shalom. Bobby Sue, Shabbat Shalom. Yes, we can't wait, Jose, to spend some quality time with you in the West. I have a lot of the youth that are going to be bringing tents. So we're going to have a lot more tent campers this year. So if you're a youth and you want to come and hang out with some more youth here at Torah to the Tribes, they are all going to be um, in tents. I think we're going to get one of those solo stoves because Dane had a solo stove last year, and that was pretty cool because you can put it anywhere. You know, you don't have to dig a hole in the in the ground. And you know, I've you know, I did that once around in my house, and the septic we dug into the septic tank and melted the septic. That was terrible. You know. Anyway, that's another story for another time. So the solo stove, I think, is going to be a, have to be a, a, a definite uh, part of that. So if you're youth and you want to come to Sukkot and camp in a tent, make sure you get a four-season tent because it is Oregon. Three-season tent will not cut it. You've got to get a four-season tent and you've got to get a zero-degree bag. But come manifest. Dougie will be here with all your technology, right? What kind of equipment do you have? What's your tent? Oh, you do? It's got a clamshell tent. What was the one that you had last year on top of your vehicle? Oh, it was an overlander, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to be in a tent as well or in my truck, but then, you know, my wife will most probably call me back to the cabin like she always does, you know, so I'll pass it. She'll, she says, oh, you're only going to be out there for a night and then you'll come back to the cabin because it would be much more cozy anyway. All right, enough nonsense, enough nonsense. Shabbat shalom to you all. And now is a great opportunity to say shalom, shalom. And we shall look forward to seeing you next Sabbath, Yahuwah willing, as we now are in Devarim, the word of Yahuwah that will take us all the way to the Feast of Tabernacles. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Blessings to you all, and thank you for tuning in this Sabbath.